Before we start this podcast, I wanted to let you know about Little Tummy, the first cold press organic baby food delivery company. Unlike most pouches on the market, their baby food is not heat processed and every ingredient has a purpose hand selected by paediatricians to introduce your baby to fresh, authentic tastes from early on. All of us mothers want the best for our children and I remember making purees from scratch for my children until late in the night when really I should have been sleeping. Which is why I love Little Tummy, a great life hack for parents who can get delicious tasting food made with love delivered every or every other week. And best of all, they're giving our listeners a whopping 50% off their first order. Just go to littletummy.co, there's no UK in there, and add the parenthood, all one word in capital letters, as a discount code. Thank you, Little Tummy. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. I was recently asked to write a piece for the Mail on Sunday about how to tell your children you had cancer. And part of my research involved interviewing two of the most inspiring, stoic and blimmin' hilarious women I have ever had the privilege of meeting. I recorded our chat and thought I'd share it with you today. Two years ago, Deborah James was told she had stage four bowel cancer and advised that she only had a 30% chance of surviving the year. Open and honest about her cancer, she is a presenter of the award-winning You, Me and the Big C podcast and on Instagram at Babe. She's trying to bring bowel cancer into the narrative of younger people. Helen Addis, a producer on ITV's Lorraine, was diagnosed with an aggressive form of breast cancer, which is now under control. Both are mothers of young children. And here we talk about how they told their children that they had cancer. Before we start this podcast, I have to apologise that the sound quality is not quite as perfect as it usually is. We had a technical hitch, which is now resolved, but it's an important message, so please do continue listening. Was sort of that conversation that you had to have with your children, was that one of the first things you thought about after diagnosis? So, yeah, I mean, when I was told, I'm sorry, it's not the news that you were hoping for today, you've got breast cancer, I, the first thing I thought about was, it's like, what? I'm their mum. You know, how are they going to respond? And uh, we spoke about it in the car on the way home, and my, my husband and I did. And I just needed a few days just to get my head around it. So we didn't tell them just to begin with. Um, I just needed the dust to set, set a little bit. And, and because then, presumably you don't necessarily get all the information straight away. No. Do you? No, you don't. And I certainly didn't get any information about how to tell the, the children. I know there are a few books on the market that you can buy, but when you're... My children, as I said, were five, seven and nine, they're very, they're very different. Their understanding's very different, and the books didn't quite fit into their age group. And, yeah, so I, I decided to speak to them individually, my husband and I sort of took them individually, and we had that conversation. And did you just sit down and say, I need to tell you something? Or was this a sort of by-the-way so, so my youngest, she was five, and I said, you know, I've got a poorly... Mummy's got a poorly boobie, so I'm, I'm going to be in hospital next week. Do you want to come and see me in hospital? And it was very much... I just tried to make it a positive thing. She really just didn't understand. Did you use the word cancer with her? I did eventually. But not to begin but with. not to begin with. Um, I just thought I would just break her into that, the idea of I'm not going to be able to pick her up a while and you know yeah. break it all in quite gently my middle daughter just she understood what cancer was so I she was at, she was seven years old so I said you know it's cancer and how I explained it was 
you know you've got a Veruca on your toe. Well, if we don't keep putting that cream on your Veruca, it's going to get bigger and bigger. And it's going to start hurting. And I said, no, I've got a Veruca, but it's in my boob. And <laughs> a boob Veruca. A boob Veruca. <laughs> um, and I said, but we can't put the medicine on the outside because my Veruca's on the inside and it's called cancer. Uh, and so they're going to take it out and then I'm going to have some medicine and um, it's going to make me feel a bit poorly. I said, but you're going to look after me, aren't you? And make me cups of tea and do it. So I try, you know, I try to make them smile with everything. And mm-hmm. yeah, they... Kids they... are not silly, like in Disney movies. My yeah. daughter was like, oh yeah, that that mum died of cancer as soon as I, you know, that was, as soon as I mentioned the word cancer. Oh yeah, in that Disney movie, that mum died and that girl was left alone. Kids know what it is. Yeah. After a certain age though. Yeah. Oh, my nine-year-old definitely. Yeah, my nine-year-old. Yeah. But I think retrospectively, so I have um, a nine and 11-year-old now, but I've been living for two and a half years mm. now, almost to the day with cancer, um, which is quite crazy when I look back. But retrospectively, my seven-year-old, I don't think really understood the implications. I think she's only now understanding the implications now that she's nine of what cancer actually is. I think it was kind of, or or the fact, what I don't know is with children at what age you begin to understand your own mortality. And I think it's more kind of when you get to 10, 11. Mm. Um, And my my 11-year-old is quite a mature 11-year-old. So I Mm. think he understands now what, mortality is Mm. um and therefore he's probably become more scared about my diagnosis Mm. the older he's become because he realizes Mm. the implications of it i would i would say that's quite similar with me so with my nine-year-old when i told him about it he said to and this is before i used the cancer said the word cancer and i explained it the veruca way uh he said is it cancer (laughs) And I didn't know he even knew what that word was. I didn't, I said, yeah, it's called cancer, Archie. Um, and he said, are you gonna die? And at this point I hadn't had the scans. I didn't know no, what was gonna what, happen. What yeah. the deal was. And I, I, before I could even think, my instinct was to protect him. And I just said, no, of course I'm not, of course I'm not. Yeah. And I, I do regret that actually, not, but I just didn't think that he would come out with something so direct. And a few days um, later, I noticed our family laptop was in his bedroom and, and normally the policy in our house is you don't, you don't need to ask if you want to go on the home computer. Uh, anyway, I took it out of his room and I, and I looked at it and I looked at the history and he Googled what will happen the week before my mum dies of cancer? No, Patty. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Sad. So he was trying to figure out, you know, what are the things, what will she start, what will start happening to her? Did you have that question? No, I think with me, so I, um, I didn't have to tell them for a while. So my plan was not to tell them initially because I didn't know what was going on. And I think a lot of people, um, I think my advice would be, don't tell the children until you have a plan because children like to know what the plan of action is they like to find a solution to things um and i knew that they would have loads of questions so initially when i got preliminarily diagnosed actually they didn't know how far advanced it is and with um bowel cancer 
if it's caught at even stage one or two, you actually only need to have an operation and you don't even need to have chemotherapy. I didn't know that. Yeah, right. well, that's that's the whole thing. Like, that's why, like, the whole campaigning thing is so important. so important. I mean, you just don't even have to go through half the rubbish that... Which is why it's just amazing, mm. right? And so I actually thought, not get away with it. I'm not... But actually, sometimes kids just don't need to know everything. Um... And therefore, with me, I was hoping if it was an early stage, because the surgeons always believed maybe it was, that essentially I could just have an operation. And luckily, I say luckily, my son had actually had polyps in his bowel. Total, well, I think it's related, but apparently according to genetic tests, it's not at the moment. I'm sure in the future we'll mm. discover it is. So he actually had to have a similar operation where he had to have some polyps removed, mm. which meant that I could just say to him, oh, you know that operation that you had to have? I've got to have the same one. Um, and that's all we told them to begin with. Mm. That it was only then afterwards that I was told, you've got cancer, it's pretty serious, you now need to go and have chemo, you need to be referred to the Marsden, we don't know what else is going on. It was then that we sat them down. And I decided, because my background is teaching, I decided that the worst thing to do is to uh, not be straight about what's going on. And I used to see kids that I used to teach whose parents were going through treatment, but the parents hadn't really told them what was going on. So they had already jumped to the final conclusion, which was my mom has cancer, she's going to die. And you would see these kids kind of like who are 14, 15, essentially having a meltdown because their mum wasn't very well. She wasn't very well. I mean, she's just had chemo and radiotherapy. She's vomiting. But actually, her prognosis is really good. And as a result, therefore, I kind of made the decision I didn't want them to fill in the gaps. Mm. So I have always just, from the day we knew it was cancer, and pretty serious as well. And then we kind of knew that statistically I had more chance of dying than living in my first year. I think we were really open. But I never said, I'm going to die. I just said... Uh, I the doctors are going to do everything they can to continue to keep me alive and then my son now fun, funny enough um, whenever I get a reoccurrence stupid cancer just doesn't mm. get the message I keep on every time I dread having to tell them that I've got a reoccurrence and they're just totally unbothered by it <laughs> they basically go well mum you shouldn't even be alive that's the last time so back in the end of last year I got more cancer in my liver and I said to Hugo, um, who's my 11-year-old, I said, oh, cancer's back in my uh, liver. And he went, oh, don't worry. Um, his actual response was, oh, don't worry. Like, you shouldn't even be alive. Oh, my goodness. Which I think is hilarious. It is. I think and it, did you laugh at him? Yeah. I was like, fair enough. He's got a point. So that's probably something you should like praise him for because actually that made yeah. you laugh. Like yeah. nothing else is going to make you feel better apart from total irreverence. I know. Yeah, and resilience. I, and I'm Amazing. in the middle of. I mean, as I've been very open, I'm in the middle of cyberknife right now. I feel awful, mm. and um, I'm coming back um, home. And I'm really lucky that I have a really good setup at home, so I have loads of help. So my kids are really stable in terms of like. You know, I'm not the one cooking the dinner or anything, which is amazing because it just means I can kind of just look after myself. And I know I'm really lucky for that. But it means that my children are totally and utterly self-absorbed at times. So my daughter at the moment, even though I'm literally vomiting, as I'm vomiting yesterday, <laughs> she turns around and she says, so mummy, um, about the ear piercing, <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's, she's running a campaign for ear piercing at the moment. 
And my husband is like, no, not going to happen. And I'm like, I'll probably let her do it anyway. And all she's interested in between my vomiting is, so mommy, can can we do this or not? Oh, stop it. (laughs) Oh, that is... You, you can't make it up, can you? And then you're, and you're vomiting and you're like, oh, God. I remember when I was, um, so of course I was, when I first got the diagnosis, I was at home and so was my husband. He took some time off and, and so we were in the house quite a lot. And not only was he irritating me getting under my feet quite a lot, he, I, I decided to task him on a few like DIY stuff, things around the house because like I suddenly noticed that the, picture wasn't quite straight and the the shelf was like slightly off or I wanted something else going up on the wall and so he for for a fair few weeks he was walking around with this DIY book in his arm and doing all these jobs and um, I noticed my daughter April she was seven in her bedroom she was upset she was crying in a room and I went in and I said what's the matter and she said you didn't tell me you were gonna die I said why on earth am I gonna die <laughs> And she says, because daddy's walking around with a book saying the complete guide to die. <laughs> and I was like, no, don't die. I said, open it up. It's a man up a ladder. It's DIY. Do it yourself. <laughs> she says, oh, I thought it was learning how to die. It's like, no, no. Although that might be quite helpful. Um, yeah. I love you just, that. Yeah. I think you don't give, like, not you, I, I think we as a society don't give kids credit enough in terms of they're very resilient. They're so resilient. They're so resilient. And I think actually more so than adults, I think we sometimes, um, and I say this probably more from a teacher perspective than from a parent perspective, in that we assume that they're going to be totally um, marred by this experience and it's going to like have these life-changing impacts. And it might but actually probably in a positive way mm. um, and actually if we start drilling into them oh my word you know your mum has cancer you're going to you know you need to be wrapped in cotton wool it's going to be awful that's yeah. what they become Yeah. and actually as a teacher I remember very like a lot of occasions where yeah you have to allow for some rubbish going on at home but at the same time still do your homework Yeah. you know you still got boundaries you've still got boundaries and actually one of the best things you can do as a parent you know and or you know supporting somebody or supporting family is still to kind of have no excuses and to carry on living your life as it should be Mm. because as soon as you start making excuses Mm. for the things that happen around you you Mm. start more making excuses for your life I think Mm. Um, and the reality is that we all have rubbish that happens to us let's face it we've all got a story to tell and I get you know some of it is a little bit more harrowing than others but at the same time um, you know you've got to learn to be resilient in it and the last thing I would ever want is for me to die and my kids to crumble as a result I would like the opposite to happen absolutely um, there's something quite reassuring about those boundaries too and about yeah. you know if suddenly you're delivered this news and then like everything changes there's something yeah. quite scary about that whereas if you're like oh no but homework hasn't changed and school hasn't changed you still got to brush your hair and brush your teeth yeah there's got to be something quite reassuring about there's that gotta be, there's got to be consistency um and i think the the situations i don't know i'm not an expert but the situations where you know kids do crumble and they do find it difficult is when everything becomes about the cancer or yes. everything becomes about um, is mummy going to live or die? And I appreciate, I totally appreciate that there will be 
or there might be situations where it is about that and a lot of comfort and you know a cotton wool might be needed but at the same time you know I don't want my kids living in fear every single day waking up to think is mommy living or dying because mm. I don't know I honestly don't know we had a blip during my chemo um, in that my, uh, I lost my mum, she passed away halfway through my chemo. And that was, it still hasn't sunk in in a way. I still can't quite believe it happened. Um, but we had to go, obviously, I had to organise her funeral and write her eulogy. And we went and uh, went to her funeral and the children were very, are you, are you go, are you going to go in a box? Are you, will you go in a box really, next? And it, it, it really sort of brought death home to them in a way. Like in the face. And the timing of it was pretty special. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just showed to me that um, they, any situation that life throws up, it's about being honest with you, being honest with the kids, but also showing them that they're going to learn a lot with how you watching how you deal with these situations. Yeah. So you know, teaching them resilience and. And you don't always have to be strong. Like I don't. No, that's mind true. Mind my kids seeing me cry about something, and yeah. I don't mind. Um, obviously, I want them to cry if they want to. But what I recognise is that they never cry about me. They always cry about something else. But it's really yeah. probably about me. Yeah. Um, but they. Um, yeah, showing weakness is fine, but I think it's like there's only so long you can be sad for. Yeah, definitely. It's <laughs> so, so, like sad being sad, and I just yeah. what strikes me about you too is that you're both so hopeful. I mean, you're talking about feeling awful because of the cyber night yeah. treatment that you literally you went through yesterday, and you're going to ask it tomorrow, and you're like, no, I want to go, and I, I really want to go. That's something that is so yeah. electric and contagious, and it's probably one of the best. You know, you can't help when you've got freaking cancer, but you can help. Being defiant. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, like, can do, like, you're just fun to be around. <laughs> just like defiancy. Yeah. But I think it's like, I think that's what I want my kids to be like. I think if oh, somebody. And they will be. And they will, hopefully. But I think yeah. if somebody said, right, what um, traits would you like your, to instill within your ch children if you had any choice? And I get that, you know, we can't, we can't inject them with certain things. <laughs> You yeah. are going to be creative yeah. and resilient. It doesn't yeah. really work like I just that. Just wish does it could be tidy. Like, <laughs> but for me, for me, the one thing would be resilience yeah. and and resilience and, and an ability and be kind. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Resilience, be kind, and then an ability to believe you can give anything a go. How did you like? Was it a secret when you told them? Obviously, this is kind of like that diagnosis is pretty bloody awful news um did you encourage them to talk to other people like their school friends their teachers their because I, I feel like all these big conversations in life they're not just one conversation there are a load of information conversations and different conversations with different people bring out different sort of opportunities to compute that information did you talk from the outset to your to their friends to their parents to their friends parents to their teachers I definitely did. I I don't keep it a secret at all. Their school their school knows about it. I do fundraising things at the school. If anything, I'm slightly irritating to them because I'm so just public. I'm so public about it. And and sometimes they are slightly mortified that it's my boobs we're talking about. But 
Um, better than your vagina. It's better than my <laughs> vagina. Exactly. <laughs> I should say that to them. Um, but no, I think it's it's become sort of their normal. Yeah, now. my kids are the same. Oh, I bet it is. Yeah. With poo chat and everything yeah. else. I bet it's... I have to be a bit careful because my daughter got to the point it was like, oh, man, why is your bum in the paper again? Um, which I... But I appreciate... Um, I'd probably go to the extreme, maybe like yourself. Yeah. Um, but I would say that there's more positives with being open than there is negatives. But just because it's totally normalized. Um, and actually there is no embarrassment around saying, yeah, my mummy has cancer. Although <laughs> it's quite funny. Well, I think it's quite funny. So my son has just had to have interviews for his secondary school. <laughs> and he, didn't, were... he didn't pull the C card, did he? Trying to... Cheeky said he did. And then he got into the school. <laughs> I'm not saying for a second he got in because of this, but so the cheeky said he basically um, has just had this round of interviews and they had to bring something that was um, special to them to the interview. And he said, I'm going to bring uh, your book because he's written for the book. But the book has a swear, a swear word on the front. It has a swear word on the front. Um, and I said, I said, you can if you want, but should we just avoid that whole conversation? Because I, I said, an interview, you know, to surprise somebody with the C cards is, is really like blackmail. <laughs> so should we kind of not go down that route? And he was like, yeah, good idea. So he took some like poetry thing. And then he slips into the interview. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so my mummy wrote this book, and then they, and then the interview said, "So what book is it?" And he, at interview, slid it across the table like this and went, "It's called Fuck You Cancer." <laughs> oh my god, that is brilliant! That is brilliant. And I just thought, oh. And then apparently the room fell quite silent because it was a panel, and yeah, I can imagine him doing this because he's he's very straight charismatic. very charismatic but kind of knows where the line is but kind of slid it across this panel of like five very straight professors and apparently the room went oh excellent okay then right next question <laughs> i think that shows tenacity that's total tenacity yeah. when, just thought, um, oh. when, when the new prince archie was born so my eldest is called archie a lot of local restaurants and, and places were giving out free meals to anybody with the name Archie. So he was desperate to cash in on that. And uh, he said, well, should we try this place? It was somewhere down the road. And I was like, well, we can. I said, but I, I don't know that they're doing this offer. I, I think it's only like a couple of the chain restaurants. He said, well, if that doesn't work, we'll just tell them you've got cancer. <laughs> where, did you, where did you get that from? Stop cashing in on my, on my cancer. <laughs> But you've just got to laugh at it. Like, yeah, you've got to laugh. I he was laughing at it, you know, and I was too. It was just... It's the only way. I think it's really, um, if you overthink the situations that myself or Helen mm. or people like us are in, it's really sad. It's actually quite tragic, actually, when you think about it. Um, and sometimes I have situations where I do just, you know, hit a wall and cry and just go, it's not fair. Um, and I had one of those moments, actually, I was interviewing um, uh, Andrew Strauss, who lost, his wife died. Um, and it was last week, actually. Mm. Um, and I was sat in a room and I was interviewing Andrew and, I say I, it was part of a podcast. Um, it was Andrew and um, Steve Bland, who is Rachel's husband. And I was just sitting, looking at these two guys who are kind of early 40s. Sorry, Steve, I know that you're not. Steve is like late 30s, <laughs> overaging him. 
And I just thought, and they were describing their wives in terms of how vibrant, mm. fit, you know, not the kind of, um, not what we associate with cancer. And I just, I broke down. I actually properly broke down to the point that we kind of carried on recording. But then I, I had to kind of just take a bit of time out. And I just thought it's so unfair, like when you overthink the situation. Mm. And then for me, I was just about to start Cyberknife. So mm. I'm kind of in a situation where I could be their wife, if that makes sense. Um, so six months down the line, I could be in the situation that they are, or my husband could be in that situation, or any one of us, you know, I didn't see Rachel's um, thing coming. And I think if you overthink that and you let yourself sit in that situation, you wouldn't be able to function. Like you actually, I don't think you could, I can't function. Like when I'm in that area, um, if I stay in that area for too long, it, it's a very, very bad place to be. And you, you, well, I don't know how you get out of it. No, it's a very dark. It's a dark. That you can't avoid going to. Yeah. I certainly have, and I, I have breakdowns as much as I have my highs. You have the lows, but then when you see your children, the problem is if you're in that bad place and you see your kids, all my kids would see is a crying mother. Um, not that that's bad, but I think that's not necessarily the happy, like, you know, memories mm. or fun or whatever it is that you really want to create. Do you explain to them what, what you're, you know, why you're why? feeling so low? Um, yeah, I think I do. Um, but I think luckily enough, I managed to, I think in a way, the kids pull you out of it. Yeah. Because they kind of have to, because they won't ever truly understand it, thankfully, because they are too young to at the moment. And they they understand it, but, you know, they're not going through it in the same way that I am. Um, and I, I do know, actually, that fun, funny enough, when Rachel died, my son was really hit by that. And it happened on his birthday. And I remember him saying, oh, it's, you know, I'm always going to remember Rachel on my birthday. And it's because we were doing a birthday party for him. And then I basically had to go off for the day and, and broadcast. Um, and, you know, I remember racing back to his birthday party and him just being really, really sad about the whole thing. And I just thought that's, that hits at home, doesn't it? And so, I said, no, it's fine. You know, it's, it's a celebration day. I said, you know, I'm always going to like remember my friend on that day, but it's your birthday. It's not going to ever mar your birthday. You know what kids are like, yeah, it's all about birthdays. It's all about birthdays. It's all about birthdays. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think kids like make you just plow on really. They yeah. make you just like get on with it. Because, because like I said earlier, you know, my daughter's more interested in like her getting her ears pissed. Her ears pissed. Mm. And she's, she wants to go to, she, she's really funny, like she um, was going to start looking for secondary schools for her like next year. And she has already worked out that she wants, she was somehow wants, she wants to get a scholarship. Okay. She, which I think is amazing, but she's um, not, but she's um, dyslexic. She won't mind me saying, but she's the most creative, brilliant girl. So what she's done is she's Googled at the age of nine, all the schools that does scholarships and anything that's not academic. <laughs> Amazing. You must be so proud. I was really proud. I was going around to school the other day and she went to the she went to the admissions officer. She went, Do you have a scholarship in dance? And I was dance. And, yeah, and they turned around and they said, actually we do. And she went, she went, I've got some sass. <laughs> I was like, 
and I wonder where she gets it from. I was like, I love this. I absolutely love this. So I just think it's hilarious. So actually, what you realise is that they're caught up in their own world about, I don't know, whatever that world is that they're caught up in, that's where they are. So just let them be. We also have a totally different perspective of time for our children. You know, two years for us is, which is as long as you've been living with cancer, is like nothing goes blind in a flash. But as a child, I mean, I remember it's week lifetime. feeling like a year. So yeah. they're probably thinking, well, no, she's going nowhere fast. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. <laughs> so I, I, I guess, yeah, that, that sort of does make it easier for them. Yeah. yeah. You don't get the, have, I mean, it sounds like you two have like handled this whole thing amazingly. Have there been any times that you've screwed up, that you've messed up, things that you wish you hadn't done or handled differently? You wanna get angry, I sometimes say. Well, if I die of cancer, then you'll regret this moment. <laughs> I have been known to cook a fish pie from scratch, and the kids, when I dish it up to them, they're like, oh, why we always have a fish pie? Why we do that? And I'm like, I've had chemotherapy today. <laughs> and I, all I want to do is get a nutritious meal into you. Why can't you just give me a break? They're like, I think it's like I've learned never to, but it's really easy to say this and hard to do. Like you can't hold cancer over their heads. Like it's not their fault that I have cancer, um, but it's so easy just to be like, when they're going, oh, I don't want a picture and I don't want this. Mm. In my mind, all I'm thinking is I want a picture, not for Instagram. I want a picture to remember that actually we were all sitting here together, yeah, smiling for once because actually if I'm not here in three years time you will look at that picture and remember it but I don't want to then say that to them no (laughs) you must take this picture because if I die you want to remember this moment and you realize it's not that important it's just in your mind it's important and you're making a bigger deal than it needs to be Mm. and then it ends up in a family argument and nobody smiles and you get this family picture everyone going They don't start behaving better because you've got this awful diagnosis. That's what really cheesed me off. I think I had this sort of this misconception that they that things at home were yeah that all of a sudden (laughs) yeah that they were gonna everyone's gonna fall in line and you know be bringing me cups of tea and not on your not on your nelly like it was completely the opposite and they were fighting as much as ever and. Then April, my middle one, did not want to be seen out with me because I, I was wearing a scarf at the time from the chemotherapy and, and I was embarrassing because of how I looked. No. Whereas my youngest was quite happy to tell people in the street that my mum's got one boob and then she'd just carry on walking <laughs> <laughs> and, and want me to show my scar to And, th- and then but she also said that, she, that my mummy's lost the brown bit that's on the end of her boobie. She's lost it. <laughs> it's surgically removed, but it's... Yeah, is it very, the, the stuff they come out with, oh. it makes you laugh, but it's also really frustrating as it well. It is, yeah. But it's kind of, to be honest with you, I would say I've changed a lot as a parent since I've been diagnosed. I mean, I, like, I've changed careers. Um, my kids will say, um, and they've said this before, that actually um, they see more of me. Um, because I was, I was absolutely a career person. I still am, but in a very different way. Um, but I would leave home at seven in the morning, get home at 10 at the night, not be engaged. Um, and, you know, my focus would be elsewhere. And, you know, I will admit that actually. And I would say it's changed me. I'm not saying I'm not, you know, I'm not 
always an engaged parent. I'm, I'm hardly like the most, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of these. I'm one of these parents who, who who like pops in waves. So I suddenly like don't do anything, and then I'll be like, we are going to win the fancy dress maths maths day contest. <laughs> I'm so glad I do these like that. once in a year like little it's gems. Do you know what? It's so interesting because actually I was quite a career person beforehand, and I and I still am in a sense but but what cancer has done for me is it's sort of given me my family life back and that i am i'm present i'm a lot more present although i still forget mufti days and i still forget, like i can't keep up with the, with no, the school can't. schedule and i yeah and cake bakes and everything else i seem to um forget everything but um i am home a lot more and i feel like i'm experiencing stuff with them more than i ever would have before and i'm appreciating it a whole lot more and they are doing my head in a whole lot more, I'm sure. Yeah, they do. It's fine. But then I have to take a day and say, God, I've got to remember, I'm really, really lucky that I'm here doing this. Yeah. You know. But I find, like, I enjoy... I know where my strengths are. It's definitely fancy dress stuff. Like, we yeah. won a dog competition the other day. I was so chuffed about you it. You won a dog competition? Yeah, but my dog's, like, you know, just really like a scruff bag. But, like, Eloise, <laughs> Eloise was, like, Beauty and the Beast. So I thought that was quite cute. That's <laughs> yeah, but that's my strength. So the you dog know, was dressed up about as bacon. the beast. Yes, he's a little cavapoo that you stick in your handbag. So hardly a beast, oh. but I thought it was hilarious. But it's stuff like that that you can have a bit of fun with. And I'm not saying I wouldn't have done that before, but I, but you, like it's it's enjoying little nuggets of fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, recognizing your strengths. Recognizing your strengts. Oh, <laughs> Forget the fancy dress box down and see. I love good competition. I, I get love so a good, good fancy dress competition. It's sports day coming up soon as well. Mm. And last year I was doing it with with the scarf on and the scarf. You know, the kids were like, oh, I don't want to see you bald head. Um, whereas this year, it's those mums get... need to watch out. <laughs> it's when you come back to key events, like whether it's an annual concert, whether it's mm. like things like sports day. Um, and funny enough, you can. Funny enough, I track where I was. I don't intentionally do it, but I find myself tracking where I was that this time last year, mm. more through some of the things that the kids are doing. Mm. Um, whether that is, you know, the annual prize giving or because because school, and I know this through being a teacher, because school is so timetabled and regular in terms of what's happening and everything's there planned in advance. Yeah. Actually, you can kind of project your year forward. And if you, if I look at a timetable in September, you know, there's part of me that thinks, oh God, I'm not going to be alive in July. And then suddenly you're there at prize giving in July and you're like, oh, that's quite cool. That's all right. And then you kind of go, oh, okay, I've made it this far. Back here next year. And then suddenly you're like, oh no, maybe not. But then you kind of, yeah, you don't overthink it, but I'm learning just to like roll with it now and not um, get so sad. I I would say the first year um, that I did all those things that the first year that I did like sports day because I hadn't done stuff like this before because I was always working so actually the first time I ever went to sports day was when I got cancer which is bonkers um but I rather than enjoying it I would just cry I just got really sad throughout everything and almost then avoided everything whereas now I'm like oh yeah back here <laughs> it's all good yeah it's amazing how it's sort of come full circle yeah and I hope I don't take it for granted how, I mean, your kids are both getting a bit older. I'm speaking as a mum who's just um, 
waved her son goodbye on her his first residential trip. So he's away for two nights, and I'm missing him so much. I've been around the whole time. But how difficult is that when your children start want to be you know a bit more independent, spending a bit of time, mm-hmm. and you you know how precious time is. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself in that situation where you're like, oh, he wants to go for a, like spend a week of the holiday with a friend, and you're like, oh, this could be my last. How does that work? How? No, how, I'm the polar opposite. Are you? Because you're amazing. No, no, it's because it's a very weird thing. I think it's a bit weird. The reason is because I want them to be really independent in case I It's like ultimate selflessness. I, I'm not sure I could be that selfless. I'd be more selfish and be like, you're mine now. Well, this is the problem. So it's kind of, there's part of you that wants to do that, but then there's part of you that says, right, if I drop dead, I don't want them to be so, ind- so dependent upon me that they can't function. So my son wants to go to boarding school. Um, so he's going to boarding school. He, um, like there's stuff that's almost the polar opposite to somebody in my situation would do. Probably, and then I'm kind of like, no, actually I'm really supportive of it. And I'm thinking, why? And I'm like, well, actually no, because um, even at boarding school, I kind of think, well, no one's got their mum around. <laughs> so if I'm, if I'm I, there or not there, does that make sense? I get that. It's like, no, go home for yourself because I might not be there to pick you up. So you've got to like learn. That sounds really awful, doesn't it? Like, of course I'm there for him and I'm there for my daughter. And you're not making him go. And I'm not making him go, but he like, actually I want him to be as independent and as resilient as possible. So therefore like, you know, let him fly. Mm. Let him fly. You feel the same, Helen? Um, So my... My guys have done residentials and, and yeah, listen, like crazy, but that they haven't, Archie hasn't yet got to an age where he wants to go and spend a week with a friend somewhere. He's only just turned 10. He's not, he's not quite at that, at that point yet. So it's not occurred to me, to be honest. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure how I will respond to that. And do you guys ever feel quite a lot of pressure that the time you do have together has to be amazing? And you know when you sort of highly yeah. pressurise something, you think, this holiday is going to be great, it's cost us so much money, We've, you know, yeah. and then it's actually a bit crap because it's of so the pressure. high expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, at first I did. So for the first year, um, uh, everything was like, um, I want to do this and I want to do that. And um, actually, when you speak, when you say to the kids, what do you want to do? What they really want to do is like a movie night at home, eating popcorn and not really moving from the sofa. And that's kind of what they enjoy. And I'm there like traipsing them around London like a tourist going, we are going to see this and we are going to do this. And they're like, (laughs) and so, um, yeah, I think actually the best times are the it's always it's, you know it's the same with everything in life the best moments are the like most off the cuff ones aren't they definitely and if anything now what I've learned is to completely under expect anything from anything we ever book because I just know there's always there's always arguments they're always at each other's throats my three um so I, I try not to expect too much, but I certainly, in my first year of, um, when I was going through cancer treatment, that I really thought that everyone was going to sort of toe the line and be all really harmonious, and it just wasn't that. I was like every other mum, I think, you know, mm. with the kids literally driving me up the wall. 
Um, the difference then was that I felt like I could play the cancer card quite a lot, like with my fellow like mum friends being like, I can't do the school run today, would you mind doing the school run? Whereas now I can actually physically go and do the school run. It's so much harder. Um, but yeah, I just try not to over expect too much of them now. And I totally agree that it's the off the cuff, you know, a, a takeaway pizza and a, and a night in and they're happy as Larry. Yeah as opposed to, you know, trying to do these big momentous things. Mm. I would say we've thrown caution to the wind a bit more in terms of like going on holidays and experiences yeah. and stuff. And I've definitely been saying yes a lot more to them. And I feel like I listen to them a lot more now. And I don't know whether that's because cancer's allowed me to be at home a lot more so that I'm a bit more present with them or whether it's just made me appreciate being a mum a lot more you know I agree I I we've thrown caution to the wind a lot more because I would say both me and my husband are people who historically live in the future so we're planners we're savers and planners well I spend a lot of money on shoes but like <laughs> you know in terms of like you know oh yeah saving for houses or whatever it might be like we're kind of future people yeah me too um and there's advantages with that but i would say we now for example don't ever book a holiday more than a week in advance and the re because of my treatment so the reality is that actually my diary changes on a week by week basis and everything gets ripped up depending on if I'm my blood is okay if it's not okay if I'm subtly whipped in for cyber knife or whatever it might be I live very much in the present I don't really have an option and there's a lot of frustration that I find around living in the present I mean it's amazing but at the same time I would actually like to be able to plan a bit for the future so you know that's a whole different conversation but I think in terms of uh, like things like holidays, actually there's a bit of excitement in terms of like rather than rather than the expectation of like two months of saying, oh, we're going on holiday here. It's like, guys, I'm, we're flying out. I said this over half time, I've just come back from Ibiza and we literally like, the kids came back from school and we got on a plane that night. Brilliant. So I was like, yeah, we're going to Ibiza. Uh, grandma's coming. Like, Amazing. let's jump on a plane. They're like, Amazing. okay then. So I think there's kind of, um, because actually you have to, because if I, that's, that is kind of the mold that I have to live in. Um, and throwing caution to the wind is a positive, there's a positives with that mm. beyond your credit card. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you it's feel, yeah, well, I mean, I've definitely drawn from this conversation that, I mean, you said it, you know, you wouldn't take necessarily take away that diagnosis. Um, I know it's obviously different for everyone, but yeah. are there positives that, I mean, it's really interesting. Through doing this podcast, I've talked a lot about how you talk to children in different situations. And what I kind of have realized through my own children too, is that the more you respect them as not just children that don't understand things, and the more you credit them with being able to understand really difficult conversations, the more they respect you and the better that relationship is. Yeah. Do you think your relationship with your kids has improved as a result of having that really shitty conversation, yeah. I've got cancer? Yeah, 100%, without a shadow of a doubt. I think so too. I think, I think my relationship's definitely improved and um, I listen a lot more. I give them a lot more time and I, tell them how I'm feeling you know and how and actually my son sometimes will come to me and say how are you feeling today mummy you know he's aware of 
my ups and downs with it. Um, and he knows when I'm he knows when I'm in treatment, and he actually comes and makes me a cup of tea now when I when I get home. So it's it def it has definitely improved the relationship. Yeah. I would say I mean it's going to sound a bit weird. Like I can be really, I am quite selfish sometimes. So I just like my own space, and I like to do stuff. You know, I had my son really young, um, and it was an absolute surprise blessing. But I think I had him at a time when I was kind of like, oh, but I've got a whole career ahead of me. And then I worked in a, a career where everything was about, I was training to be ahead. And I was on a very fast track thing to headship. And I, um, everything was about getting to headship. And then I was literally on my MPQH, which um, is your qualification for headship. And I was very, very young to be on it. And I would have taken on a headship within the next kind of 12 to 18 months. And I think the problem that I had is I always, like, that was always my priority in life. Like, my kids kind of came alongside that. And I love, you know, I absolutely adore my children. I think they're incredible and they've changed my world. But at the same time, I was selfish. There's nothing wrong with selfish than this having, a, I think, you know, absolutely, it makes me a better mum, 100%. And I wouldn't have changed it for the world. And I wouldn't change what I'm doing now for the world. But I'm still quite driven in what I'm doing. I still, you know, even if it's talking about council, broadcasting or whatever, I still want to make a success of it. Um, but what I found is that, like, I would do it at the expense beforehand, before cancer. I would do it at the expense of, like, I didn't have control over it. That sounds a bit wrong, doesn't it? I, of course I had control, but I feel more in control now. Of Is, is that even... I don't even know... It makes to, no, it makes total sense. sense. It makes I total thought, sense to yeah. me. Does that make sense? I feel a little bit more empowered to know that life is a bit more important, a lot more important than, like, suddenly uh, career tra trajectory and also realising that suddenly life doesn't go like that. And I, you know, for 15 years was on a very like, you know, step-by-step -step pathway where everything was timetabled. Everything was like about the next step. Life was, life wasn't about plodding along, but you know, everything was about that. And I never really, I'm a creative person, but I never assumed that I'd be doing anything else apart mm. from that. Um, and I think as soon as you're taken out of that, you kind of get shaken up a bit mm. and you're like, oh oh okay all right i can say no to stuff and i can still do a really good job and i can put my kids first and actually if i've got a health issue i can turn around and say i'm going to the doctors and the world's not going to collapse mm. and it's like does that even I make sense i totally understand what you're saying i really really do yeah i think before for me when i was so driven by my career it became such a big it, my career was such a big part of my life and whilst it wasn't at the expense of being a mum I think in a way sometimes it is a balance was, isn't it? yeah because I had I feel like I'm my own boss now yeah I'm not um I felt like I was always p trying to ple please, please work yeah yeah and and doing everything and never saying no to anything at work and just doing it, doing it, doing it. And still being a good mum, I still think I was a good mum, but 
my time would be a lot more squeezed and I would be mentally much more absent. And somewhere else, in, yeah. And somewhere else. Whereas I feel like it's flipped now and I feel much more in control of my... Not my destiny, that sounds a bit too big, but I just feel more in control of what I'm doing and I feel like I can see what where my priorities are. I, I really wouldn't change my diagnosis. I'm a different person now. You know on book on Facebook when you um it comes up and it says this is yeah, uh, like three two, years, two years, years ago yeah. or something. I look at that that person now and I just think, God, I I almost don't recognise her because and I look at her and I just think, You've got no idea what's about to hit you but I wouldn't swap it. In a minute, I wouldn't swap it. It's very weird when you have, like, I had, to, I almost put like an external pressure on myself to be really successful, but only on a one track career. Um, and I think teaching is amazing and I would love to go back to it, you know, in, a, in another life. But I think what I learned is that there's a misconception that actually to be successful, you have to, you do have to graft really hard, but. Um, I had this misconception that actually I had to work all hours of the day and um, sell myself for it. And, um, you know, the harder I worked, the more successful I became. But actually, um, it did work like that, but I could have probably done exactly the same and been smarter and more in control about what I was doing. Mm. And... Um, it's almost, in a way, for me, it felt like more be, being more respectful to myself. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. You're right. Because you realise that, because before, um, you realise that you're kind of trying to juggle all these things. And I still do juggle all these things. But the problem is, is that your health and your self, I hate the word self-care, but all that fancy pants stuff um, comes last. And the reality is that then what happens is you suffer as a consequence because you are pleasing everybody else and you're like trying to keep the kids happy and your career happy and your husband happy and everything else and you never see your mates and all these different things. Mm. And the reality is that you then come last, you then pretty much hit a brick wall. For me, it was cancer. It probably would have been something else if it wasn't cancer. And then suddenly you're thrown into a situation where you realise the one thing that you took for granted isn't there anymore. And so you have to make it a priority because if you can't, well, A, if you don't exist or if you can't function, then nothing else happens. So you kind of like, it's that flip where you kind of go, actually, the most important thing in my life is my health. Um, because, and there's nothing I can do. I mean, you know, I can try and eat healthily and I can exercise and I can look after myself but of all the time you know I've worked my ass off and I want all these different things but I can't control my health and mm. do you think that you feel that you can communicate better with your kids now that you've had that difficult conversation do you think that's changed the way that they maybe feel that they can ask you questions that were maybe a bit scary to start with yeah. or yeah but I, I've gone to the extreme of like uber embarrassment I'm like so when you get your periods, I'm like really like now I'm almost like to the point of like crudely open. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I almost think, oh, I've got to like learn how to manage this. Like, because I'm just like the embarrassing mum, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I reckon if my kids were older, I think I would be a bit like that and want my daughters to be more like, you know, open talking about, you know. Talking about your boyfriend. And, yeah. Totally, yeah. Um, but no, it was definitely, I encourage much more 
conversation and, and I just find that I just sit and listen to them a lot more I, and they love that because um, it's quite sometimes quite difficult to have a conversation is it just any conversation I find that I'm sitting at the table with my kids and, and like they are unable to have a conversation unless mm. we're talking about something specific and actually you kind of sometimes got to engineer it a bit yeah um do you find there are any good situations? Like I always find, like in the car, we have much better conversations than if in I'm sitting car. right in front of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I um, I try and I try and also have um, a one-on-one time because I've got three. So I I'm always make sure at bedtime that I have at least twenty minutes with each of them, like on their own in their room. You know, and we we just talk about whatever it is they want to talk about. Um, my youngest likes to talk bums at the minute, which mm. is. Right. So, you know, the best thing that we've ever done is, um, so because I let my kids go off on these random trips with their mates or whatever, um, if one of them's away, we go away with the other one. So I've That's had... That's a good idea. Oh, it's amazing. So I've, I've got two children and taking one child away on holiday is incredible. Um, and it's, um, we've had the best time... Um, so we've done it now. We've taken um, both our kids away on separate holidays um, and my son away twice and my daughter away. We, we just keep on doing it. With your husband? You both yeah, have. so they're both two of us and one. So, um, But it's so brilliant. I, I get they have to develop a relationship, but they do that every day after school. Oh, it's do. fine. But in terms of actually, like, you know, you're sitting down, you're having dinner out every night, um, we were in Seville with my daughter we were staying in this beautiful hotel and she just felt like a princess for like five days and she just loved the whole thing and I would say like you know the relate, like that kind of thing she'll never ever ever forget that and, and I find when, when um, we definitely try and seize those opportunities if one of them's on a play day and I'll, I'll do something with the, with the other two um, I um, I always end up saying to my husband oh my god it's so much easier Um, but no I um, like to try and um, definitely spend one-on-one time together do you know what just going out for a walk Mm. that's Mm. I just find that they seem to open up they're a bit more chilled out Mm. Um, or making stuff I find is often if we're like focusing on something like I don't know painting something or colouring something in that we tend to have kind of better conversations that only works for me if we're one on one yeah if the two of them one will be like oh yes can mummy sit next to me mummy's in this you're colouring hers more than you're colouring mine you know it's all that Mm. whereas if I can do something like that focus one on one then that's I I take my daughter crappy shopping so when I say crappy Primark Primark go to Primark give them like Twenty quid. They're filled. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, well, like spending that sort of money on on a soft place somewhere where you're going to exactly. get some kind of German. She like loves it, and then you're in the change rooms, and she's like, "Yeah, well, so and so said this to so and so, and anyway, like this is not a good outfit because so and so was wearing she? it." Oh, she's like nine going on 19. Sassy nine-year-old. It's really bad. But like, do you know what I mean? Like crappy shopping. Crappy, pointless shopping. Then you come back and you're like, recycle, charity shop. Do you think they ever, your kids ever talk as a group, like as the two of yours and three of yours, do you think they ever talk about the fact that you have cancer? Talk about it amongst themselves? Rarely. And do you think they talk about it with their friends? Yeah. Um, but I think, I think actually, you, you have to be careful with it because I think I've noticed sometimes with my daughter, she'll use it as a kind of 
um, like a leverage as a of, leverage yeah I, I I honestly think my and I've stabbed down like, like as soon as I yeah. hear about it um, it hasn't happened often but I've heard about it in terms of kind of well my mummy has cancer and we're doing a bake sale to raise money for um, you know one of the charities that my mummy supports and I'm like no 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 we're not having any of that mm. and so you have to because there's almost like a kind of you it's all good and well talking about it but there's a fine line between talking about it and then becoming like a center of attention as a child because your mum has cancer um and i think that i've just totally and utterly stamped on because i hated it mm. um but that's it's it's quite you have to watch it's it a very fine line it's a really fine line yeah. Um, it will, uh, both of you, are, neither of you are any kind of woe as me. You're the total opposite of the spectrum. <laughs> so I guess it's Although just... to my husband, I do really try and do the whole woe is me thing, but he don't give two. It's like, oh, for goodness sake. Yeah, as I said, I've just had to have a life. Yeah. And I, I was, I my husband said to me, I'm really tired. And I was like, don't even go there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hangover? You've got a hangover. Really? Oh, really? Okay. I've had a drink for nine months. Um, the, the the other day, I I, the, I said, oh, I'm going to get my results today. And he said to me, Result? oh, results for what? I was like, the scan that I had two days ago. You had the scan? Do you, what sort of scan was it? It's like, this is just, 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 just it's going to work. <laughs> it's fine. And have they ever chatted, have your kids ever chatted to other children whose mothers are living with cancer? Um, I think there's a few girls in um, my daughter's school who have actually, who are older girls, who have said, oh, who've been really nice to my daughter, if that makes sense, who have mm. kind of said, oh, my mum's got cancer too. Um, what's gone on beyond that, I don't know, but I know that, like, a few of them have kind of mm. talked to each other, but, yeah. I know that my um, son, when he went back to school after Easter, the teachers sat the class down and said that there was another pupil in their class whose dad passed away from cancer mm. over Easter. Yeah, I had no idea that he was poor. I, I didn't know. Um, but my son told me, and he he said it's, he said, and I burst into tears in class. And he, he's not like a an emotional like, yeah. boy. No, it really got to him. Um, but no, it was quite. Um, it's the only time he sort of mentioned it to somebody because he told the teacher well thank you so much both of you i know you've got to run i really oh, appreciate your sorry. honesty you two are both so inspirational this has just been such an amazing thank chat you. Thank, thank you, thank you so, so much, much. Thank, you. thank you for listening to the parenthood i'm sure you are all as blown away by this conversation as i was you can find more about these two amazing women by following them on instagram helen is at the titty gritty and deborah is at bow babe in the meantime please don't forget to subscribe rate and review us but in the meantime thanks for listening and goodbye